And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 89 today, Lucid Dreaming and Tripping the Field uh, with our guests Ian Jaded. Um, and uh, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice for $2 a month. You'll get some exclusive content. Uh, as you can see, we have all of our other links right there and I'll also have them below while we're streaming. Um, what's going on, Ian? How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? I'm I'm wonderful. I'm in the Rocky Mountains, and uh, we've got uh, beautiful weather today, which is uh, kind of strange because it's been snowing one day, and then it's 80 degrees the next day. So I <laughs> never know what to expect. So I'm I'm trying to hold it together. I've been kind of wrestling with a bit of a cold, but I feel good today. I'm doing good. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so why nice. don't you? I was just up in the Rockies. Yeah, that's sweet. Why don't you give us a little uh, overview of um, what your book's about, how you got into writing it, what made you write it, that kind of thing. Sure. So we'll go back. I mean, I started what's called lucid dreaming uh, about at the age of 19. And this happened to me spontaneously. This was not something that I had read about. This was not something I'd even heard about. Uh, I'm I'm 47 right now so this was this was before the internet was really a thing you know we didn't really have the the access to the kind of information that we have to uh, today where you can just get on youtube or you can get on facebook or whatever and i'm i'm a member of many many groups out there that help people uh develop these these practices but at the time i had no idea what was happening and just to be clear when we talk about lucid dreaming we're not talking about an intense dream a lot of people it's confusing they're like oh well i had a really lucid dream last night and when they mean we know when they say that they're generally saying that they they mean that it was something that was very intense it was something that was really uh you know it impacted them but when they remember it pretty good too it's a clear memory all that sort of thing but when we talk about lucid dreaming capital l capital d we're we're saying that you are a hundred percent fully aware that you are dreaming at the time something happens either before the dream starts or during the dream where for lack of a better term you wake up you become fully cognizant of hold on none of this stuff that's happening right now is real None of this is actually happening. You know that you're asleep. You know that you're in bed. For me, I would even be aware of of about like what time it was in the morning. I'm like, eh, I know this. It's probably about you know whatever five in the morning somewhere around there. I could even kind of tell what position my body was laying in, but I was fully submersed in the dream world. So this is important because when this happens. When you become aware of of the nature of the reality that you're in, it's like a doorway opens. Something happens where you have access to a completely different realm of information. A com- you know, some people call them parallel universes. 
Some people refer to some people say that it's a doorway to astral projection. We can get into that. Uh, that that was definitely my experience. Uh, it led into astral projection. I hate that term. I don't like that term. It sounds very. I don't like woo-woo, so to speak. Uh, I like to keep things very grounded, as grounded as possible, and I like to understand exactly what's going on without a lot of spiritual or religious terminology. So these experiences started happening to me, like I said, this is some almost 30 years ago around, you know, somewhere around there, and the experiences became stranger and stranger, and this this began happening to me every night almost every night and some of these experiences would go on for hours on end and i would have to wake up in the morning and kind of deal with it you know uh, mentally emotionally and whatnot and try to find information research whatever research i could find at the time it was at the time it was a, it was a matter of finding the right books again not really an internet i could just type lucid dreaming into and find some you know find a hundred experienced experts on the topic like you can nowadays uh so years ago i and then years ago uh i started writing a book all of my experiences i it started developing into a story um tripping the field which is the my first published book that deals with this topic it is fiction but uh it takes place in the lucid dreaming universe and the idea of the book is that as you read it you start learning how this universe operates you start learning the rules of this this new perspective of how the world works and so and it you you kind of have to learn how this works so that you understand how the storyline plays out and uh you know then as so the book is kind of the book is is intended on it's intent on teaching you how to see things from this perspective if that makes sense yeah actually it it does make pretty good sense um do you well you say you're not into woo um but there's a <laughs> lot of people that consider lucid dreaming oh, yeah. um a little woo in the sense that uh we don't exactly even know what's going on with dreaming uh to begin with we have an idea there's a lot of materialists scientists that say oh it's just your brain on um you know it's uh burning like, stuff burning yeah burning stuff is yeah, working through problems stuff. you know like that kind of stuff but and uh, they are dreams are absolutely you're absolutely right dreams normal dreams are i would agree with that 100 percent. i would say lucid dreaming is in an absolutely different category right, so right. but yes in, in general i would i would agree with that sentiment yes so um, i wanted to ask you real quick uh did sure. you just start doing this all on your own or did you actually study to do it because i know one of our buddies he had to like vigorously like you know condition himself to be able to do it most most people have to practice this for months or even years of doing what are often called reality checks uh yes right. that is that was yeah he studies was... uh vedanta and eastern philosophy and that kind of stuff Right. And this in lucid dreaming, I, that's some of the some of the initial research I found in it, because this was very much practiced in uh, the Hindu and the Buddhist traditions. So I was able to pick up a lot of good practice and a lot of good practical information from that. Again, I'm always trying to pull out the dogma from what's practical and what's grounded that I can use. Uh, so, yeah, it, this came to me spontaneously. It just started happening one morning. Specifically, I. 
found I went into a, a dream state, whatever you call it. But uh, all I can tell you is that when you go into a lucid dream state, it is a, a hundred times more real than your waking life. And that probably doesn't sound like that makes a whole lot of sense, but it's one of those things that you have to be experienced. You have to have the experience and then you go, okay, that that's what that's like to have reality cranked up to 11, so to speak. Uh, but yes. uh, yeah, you like that. The, uh, yeah, his... that's what happened. It just started happening. It just started happening to me. It just, I would start entering these states and I just, I would just wake up and, and I say that I started doing this at the age of 19, but, it, and this is common apparently for a lot of lucid dreamers. I didn't realize until I started lucid dreaming that I, I remembered then that I was doing this back when I was like in middle school, you know, or elementary school even. Uh, but those memories did not come back to me until much later, you know, after I had been involved in this, I was like, oh yes, that's right. I used to do this, but I forgot, I forgot it. And, and apparently that's, like I said, it's fairly common that a lot of us have done this as we were, when we were kids, but adult life, whatever it is, you know, the, the world bulls you over and you, uh, you get caught into a certain kind of mindset of being a member of this society. And those memories sometimes get very much flushed aside. So, but it happened to me. Luckily I was, I was a lucky one. This stuff comes to me spontaneously. I don't need to do reality checks. Now I say that, but let me be clear. I had to learn vigorous techniques that took me years to develop on how to focus myself once I was in the dream. So once I was awake and aware in a dream, then there are techniques that I had to employ. Uh, and there are very practical things that I dug up out of ancient shamanism, uh, you know, from the Toltecs, uh, from ancient Mexico, people who had been practicing this stuff thousands of years ago. Uh, and that I found it really very practical. So, uh, yeah, they, I was lucky. It came to me spontaneously. Yeah. I mean, um, to be honest with you, uh, I started meditating a few years ago and after I started meditating, um, I realized what was going on. So every single day I kind of have weird sleep patterns to begin with, but almost every single day, um, I'll go to bed kind of late at night, but then I'll wake up, go to the bathroom, come back and I can either revisit the dream I was in or um, I'll be able to create a new dream by jumping back into that realm, but it's pretty much instantly. It's weird because I, I feel like it takes a long time to get to the sleep or the uh, dream aspect of sleep, but then when you're already in that uh, mode, it seems like you can just jump right back in if you're already there. Um, so that yes, was that's, yeah. my, that's my experience. But from learning how to meditate, that became easier. I don't know if it's because it does. Uh, the focus, you know, or the um, your understanding when you're meditating kind of a little bit more about yourself and the way your mind works and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. I'll tell you specifically why. I'll tell you exactly why meditation helps with this, these kind of practices. It's, I would say that meditation at its core, the most important thing that you're doing with meditation is that you're detaching from your storyline. You are you're detaching from your inner dialogue. And if you think about it, that's kind of what a dream is. It is a storyline. It's a narrative that you get caught up into and you believe without question. 
I mean, think about the craziest dream that you've had recently, right? Right. Just think about mm-hmm. the craziest thing. If you think about it, lucid dreaming makes more sense than than what happens in our normal dreams. I mean, it's kind of strange that we don't ever at any point go, wait a minute. I'm not James Bond. <laughs> why is why am I being chased by a bunch of ninja, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the crazy scenario is. You never stop and go this doesn't make any sense. But in lucid dreaming, you do. You you have that you you're able to have that pause. And to me, that's what you're developing in meditation. You're developing that ability to pause and go, "Hold on. What's going on?" You know, and you're able to look at your thoughts a little bit more from a from an objective standpoint and you can wake up at that point and like i said once you wake up in a dream strange things begin to happen and so over the years strange things definitely did begin to happen that very much questioned made and forced me to question my version of reality why do you um well let me ask you this actually sure. so when you're lucid dreaming though for me, this is just for me. I've noticed that um, it's not like you said. There's no fan, uh, fantasy type dream, or uh, you know, dreams where you're you know an animal or something else. You know, maybe right. like some people have. It's it's based on your reality and different things that have happened in your life recently. At least for me, and it's always from a first person point of view. I never. I'm like a disembodied mind if that makes sense you know uh-huh. um so i never see my body or interact it's it's almost like um like i said kind of like when you meditate you know you're in this dream type state but you're still there and still present and still yourself um right you're, you're conscious yes right so um if that's the case what do you think the implications are for um you know that as involving what or you know like we always talk about the hard problem of consciousness on this podcast and exactly yes. we can't we can't crack it and scientists nope. you know even the best explanations are really not that great and you know people that are pretty sure about other things like Sir Roger Pemrose and Stuart Hameroff and those kind of guys still struggle to kind of understand what's going on you know so I, I mean, if you want me to speak on consciousness, I can give you my, over the years, what I feel consciousness is. Yeah, just and, what uh, how it relates to this sure. phenomenon. Yeah. So what it seems to me, and, I, and I'm going to fumble for words now because it's, uh, it's not an easy thing to describe because consciousness is not a thing. It is not an object. It's more of a wave. If we think about it in terms of physics, there's particles and waves i'm not going to get too deep into quantum physics unless you guys want me to but i mean uh, we've done many episodes on um, uh, on quantum physics and and all that kind of stuff but i believe that there's a direct connection to quantum physics uh there's a lot of lessons to be learned and i think there's a lot that quantum physicists and lucid dreamers could share Uh, i'm actually working on an article right now for a lucid dreaming magazine that is trying to combine these two disciplines these the, these research practices but when i when i think of consciousness i think of it as the ground state of all forces i see consciousness as as the zero point field if you will it is it is what every other field in existence is based on maybe uh, you know we talk about uh, electromagnetic fields. We talk about magnetic fields. We talk about uh, 
uh, you know, the Higgs field. We talk about lots of different kinds of fields. I believe that it is the field of all fields. And there's only one of them. It is not divided. It is, I believe it was never brought into existence. I think for it's the base of the universe for, for, for a lack of a better term. So the problem is, is that, again, we are caught up in these narratives and we are creatures that are bound to storylines. And that is what our identities are caught up with. We all have identities, and an identity is really nothing more than a story that we have, a running story that we have. Well, I'm so-and-so, this is my name, this is how old I am, this is my job, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's just a list of, of a story. And then we, if we can get beyond that and go back to the source, which is consciousness, again, I believe that you are going, you're tapping into then the source of everything, even the source of how the universe is constructed at the particle level. And I know that sounds pretty wild, but that's has been my experience. So so that's why lucid dreaming is a doorway into all these very strange other areas. Uh, what it took me a few years of lucid dreaming before I started proving to myself that I was able to move well we talk about out of body experiences and i it's another phrase that i don't like i don't see i don't see things as that there's something moving outside of the body again in my, my idea of consciousness is that, that it is a field that is absolutely everywhere it's I, I would say it would be uh the same thing as empty space in many ways and perhaps the nature of emptiness is consciousness I'll, i mean that's that's one way to put it so when you move beyond your identity, you move beyond the narrative of your dream, you move beyond the narrative of all of the narratives that you have running in your head, you can then drop the idea of the physical body and you can move to other areas. They can be in this realm, they can be in other realms. But what I started doing after a while is I started visiting people that I knew uh, you know, while I was asleep in bed people who I'm, you know, friends and family who are hundreds of miles away. And I was able to observe what they were doing. And then being the, uh, the, 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 the scientific minded person that I am, I would then call them later on in the phone. And my, my friends and family, after a while, they got, they got used to this, like, all right, Ian's calling us. He's going to ask us some crazy question about what we were doing at six o'clock in the morning or, or whatever. And much to my, at the time, much to my dismay, they started relating stories back to me of exactly what I saw. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to see, you know, at my, the girl I was dating at the time or my mother, I could go find friends of mine and I could see exactly what they were doing. I could not write down to what they were wearing, what action they were performing. I mean, what they were watching on television and uh, that very much disturbed me i didn't I, at the time i didn't want to hear this i mean that was not so something i was kind of like remote kind of like remote viewing in a way that's so yeah and you know we're gonna get caught up in terminology here remote viewing yeah, yeah. is generally happening i mean the the when they say remote viewing they're usually awake they're very much right. they kind of go into a meditative state right and then they go and they go and 
pick a spot, a location, and they come back with information. I would say that the term out-of-body experience or astral projection, it's, it's a little bit more integrated than that, where you're able to take that part of your conscious identity and project it into a very specific spot. So you are, you're, you're basically standing there essentially where that, where that other person is. It's not like a, it's not abstract as much, if that makes sense. And uh, so that's one of the, one of the strange things that you can tap into with those practices. But like I said, I think anybody can, anybody can do this. I don't think I'm special on any level. I believe right. that you can practice, you can practice this. I, in fact, I'll, I'll give you guys some tips and for the audience as well, things that you can try this evening. Like when you go to sleep, there's things you could give a shot to. Sure. Um, I'm taking a nap right after this. I'm <laughs> getting right into it. So your idea yeah. of consciousness is actually kind of similar. We had a scientist on recently, Seth Kostek, um, okay. who is, uh, um, you know, quantum biologist or studies, you know, quantum, oh. uh, you know. Right he, up my alley. He, yeah, he, he does that kind of stuff, but he has a theory on what's going on, and um, it's it's involved with, like, you know, non-duality, uh, kind yes. of similar things that we're talking about. And yes. what, he, what he was explaining is his theory, which, I mean, I've heard other variations of it, but his theory is that um, there's the only thing there is is consciousness. There is, like what you're saying, there is no separation. There, right. Everything we see and separate in our minds is just a mental construct, and then even language even further separates everything. Um, so yep. he, um, you know, his idea is that we're in some sort of, not like a simulation, but like some sort of game. Like we're, I'm God, you're, and I, when I say God, I don't mean like I understand. The, the bearded Zeus archetype <laughs> in the sky. I mean, like, like we, we, we literally are a piece of this one massive thing for whatever reason that's living itself out through all these different, you know, appendages or, you know, var variations, if you will. Um, yes. And it kind of yes. makes sense if you think about it, if there was some, you know, some like, you know, conscious one mind or, you know, I think Eastern philosophy, you know, uh, talks a lot about that kind of stuff too. Um, but if you are that, then you would want to play itself out in multi, you know, you would get bored with just one scenario or one thing. So you'd want to play itself out in many different ways. And that's kind of, you know, if you think about yeah. life um, and even though, you know, I'm a creative person, musician, you know, we do this podcast and stuff like that. But you get bored with doing the same thing over and over. Let's say you write a song and you play that song constantly. Well, it's like, okay, time to write a new song. However, there's parts of that song that are influenced by other things. So there's always some precursor and there's never truly a different thing. So if you think about it, something comes, you know, everything comes from something, if that makes sense. I guess okay. is what I'm trying to say. But my, my, my whole point of this is it's similar to what you're saying in the sense that the baseline of everything is consciousness. And that is all there That's is. It. That's and, it. um, yeah, right we're, there. we're living in an illusion basically. We are. And there's a way to, I, and we have the tools now. We have the information in my opinion, if you're interested uh, to, to break out of that illusion. Uh, we've got a lot of things. And, and I think that people are becoming more and more, 
fascinated with this topic. It seems to be a topic that is just exploding right now. Uh, when you get into not just lucid dreaming or astral projection or meditation practices, but also, you know, uh, psychedelics, DMT. Uh, th- those are those are just, in my opinion, psychedelics, plant medicine, or it's just another it's another tool to get you to the same place that I'm talking about. I happen to be more, you know, I I have more of an expertise in lucid dreaming, but uh, I've also done my share of psychedelics as well. And my, my book tripping the field focuses heavily on both of those. It's a, it's very heavily laden with uh, psychedelics and lucid dreaming and whatnot. I, I think, like you said, it's, it, it, it's all coming back to consciousness. It's the baseline. It's the baseline. And, and I do think that there is a connection in physics. Uh, physicist Lawrence Krauss, who I've I've had some communication with, uh, he's a theoretical physicist, and one of one of his last books was called A Universe from Nothing. I cannot say that I understood his book completely. Yeah, I am we, not a we actually we talk shit about him on here. I just oh, oh yeah, I, I'm familiar with his work. I just he's so pompous and the way he, he talks is. about he he he. Um, <laughs> and, and the universe from nothing doesn't make sense because nothing is still something. Right, and that's what he and he says that in the book. And I, I, and I, I, and I I've, I've read it. I just, I like I said, I'm just not a fan. I just the way he comes off takes away from anything that he's ever done, in my opinion. <laughs> nice, <But>. nice. <laughs> Bless you, by the way. I'm more uh, of a. If I had to go you. that route, I'm more of a Sean Carroll fan because it seems like he's a I, little bit more open-minded, but still. I love, I, Sean, Car- yeah. I love Sean Carroll. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I tell you, and it's funny that you mentioned that. I was, I was going to be nicer to uh, Lawrence Krauss than, uh, than, than you're willing to, but. I, I can, I can, I can listen to him. I can listen to that guy, but I tell you, uh, he's one of the few guys that I can listen to and I can follow his logic, but I, but his book, uh, I, I really could not follow completely mm-hmm. his book. And I, I only brought it up simply because th- th- there is a theory in theoretical physics, the idea that emptiness had, does seem to have the nature of producing what we call sometimes virtual particles, there that there are particles popping in and out of existence all the time, that there is something about the nature. You know, there is no such thing as true emptiness. There is no there is really no such thing as empty space, even though we, you know, we use those ideas, even in a vacuum, they are finding that there are particles uh, popping in and out of existence constantly. And, uh, you know, his theory, at least, I think essentially what he was saying is that there is something about the nature of emptiness that does seem to manifest energy on some primal level. And, uh, and I find that fascinating, because, again, the the uh, the saints, the monks, the medicine men, the shaman for thousands and thousands of years have essentially been saying the same thing. So I think we shouldn't ignore that. Well, I was going to say, um, even you know, Democritus, who came up with the idea of an atom or some tiny particle, uh, right. he was a big fan, and uh, his teacher Lucippus, uh, the idea of the void that that's part of it. But yeah. Um, yeah. and that's 400 BC. We're talking. I mean, that's ancient Greek pre-socratic philosophy but um i guess i don't hate you know like lauren i just think that if you're going to go on talk shows and you're going to get people interested in this kind of stuff the worst thing you can do is start off by you know separating half the people by saying they're dumb for believing in anything you know you know magical or however you want to say metaphysical or whatever uh but that's actually what he's talking about you know like something popping in 
into existence from nothing. If that's not magic, yep. I don't know what is, you know? So, um, and that's the thing is it? It, it, it is magic. It all boils almost, down to some crazy thing. Yeah, it, it is. It is almost like when I read and I've had to read, there's a lot of quantum physics in my book. I've had to study all the, the layman's guides to quantum physics to get this because the books tripping the field, it, it is essentially science fiction. It's a lot of philosophy. It's a, uh, a lot of thinking and whatnot. It's kind of an action book in many ways as well, but there's a lot of science and I, I had to get the science right. So everything that I've studied from quantum physics, it that what you said hits it on the mark. It, it sounds to me like, you know, it's like at some point science has come along and discovered magic because what they've discovered, what, yeah. hap- what is happening at the particle level truly it meets all the definitions of what we've, you know, uh, traditionally referred to as magic. It, it's it makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, but you know, once you slap a name onto it and say, well, it's a, uh, you know, we're going to call it particle entanglement, or we're going to call it the the observation effect, and they've got all these nice terms, and it's like, y- y- it sounds like it's compart- compartmentalized and understood when it's anything but understood. So, yeah. Well, if you stuff. approach a if you approach a kid and you go, yeah, what's dreams? You know, they would think that the adults knew the definition the way that they, you know, talk about it. You talk to doctors that are so hardcore about the answer when they really just don't know. So you got to take how it we with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's how we get caught up in language, though, isn't it? That we ha- we use these terms and then we go, oh, we have this idea that we know what it is. You know, it's like the I it's. You know, the kid looks up at the sky in total wonder and looks at some some feathered beast and, and asks asks their father, well, what is that? Well, it's a bird. You know, so what? It's just a bird. Immediately, you yeah. take that, you take, you've crushed that kid's imagination and awe. And, and it's a shame because that father has, you know, that answer specifically, it's not an answer. You don't, we, just because you have a name for it doesn't mean you understand what that thing is and that's the same for ember process does not mean that we have understood it by any stretch of the imagination yeah i mean um i guess that's the thing with all these scientists too right is um they they're open-minded to like new theories as long as it's you know physical materialism right so like (laughs) even sean carroll you know will say you know when he's on joe rogan and stuff they'll be like oh yeah, they're popping in and out and uh, it's the observer effect and all this <laughs> stuff and we don't really understand it. But then all right. of a sudden he's like, but there is some explanation. We just don't know what it is yet. So if you That's don't know exactly what I thought he said, right on Joe Rogan, the last time yeah, he was on. If you I don't know what it is, then you don't know right. what it is. You can't say right. that it's some physical law that we can eventually figure out. We may never figure out. And actually from doing this podcast and looking for truth and studying all these fringe topics and things that people would consider pseudoscience and stuff, I do think there is, it's narrowed down from me doing research and reading books and, and doing all this stuff, but there is this narrow field of fringe that I believe there is truth in. And, um, I don't know how science can, I feel like science is at, at a snail's pace crawl now because they're limiting themselves to these physical observations as opposed to looking at the fringe and pushing their mindsets and pushing, you know, like like I, we were just talking about the ancient Greeks. The ancient Greeks were talking about metaphysical things that we're now starting to prove way yes. back, you know, BC. So it's like, 
I just would like a little bit more of like outside the box thinking. So when I do see a scientist doing that, I applaud them because I'm like, this guy's pushing the boundaries, you know, and right. it may be fruitful and maybe it won't be fruitful for a couple hundred years, but just to have these thoughts, you know, I just feel like we're, we're still on these recycled things that were being talked about thousands of years ago. There always seem there. It does seem like that, doesn't it? That the science is always going to be hundreds, if not thousands of years behind those who can have direct experience and i think that's that's the thing their science is always going to be limited because their 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 job i would say as a scientist is to look at everything from an objective position uh you know to stand apart from the situation and say all right here's this thing happening can i can i replicate it can i can i reproduce that effect and and don't get me wrong i am i I love science. Uh, I have oh, I do too. Yeah, me I too. Have respect, have to. absolutely respect for it. But it is limited, like you're saying, because you don't, you never get to the personal experience. And one of the reasons I did, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you just write, you know, like an autobiography instead of writing fiction? You know, you've, cre- I've created this book, and I, ha- I've had a lot of people interview me, and they're like, well geez, you've got all these crazy stories about these things that have happened to you. And, you know, my my attitude is that because it comes down to the personal experience, it doesn't matter what kind of crazy stories I have. I can I can rattle off crazy things that have happened to me all day long, but I'm, I'm never going to get somebody else to a personal – having a personal experience. Like you're not going to have these things proven to yourself until – you know, it's happened to you. And so my focus is in getting people to in, into the real mindset. I want to, I wanted to write a book at least that kind of submerged you into this thinking. It submerged you into this worldview so that you start thinking along these lines. And uh, my, my whole thing is, you know, don't believe me. I don't want you to believe me. Don't believe my experience. And I have lots of people like, well, can you prove that astral projection is a real thing? I'm like, no. And I, and I, and I don't wouldn't be interested in it if I could. Even if I could create a believer, I don't know. I have no use for a a believer, you know. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like I'm more interested in uh, experiencers is what I is what we need. We need more people to experience this, and that's where uh, that's that's my real focus. And is in uh, hey, this is what you do, and you know, we're and there are steps. There are things that you can do to induce these these states of consciousness or you could just smoke a bunch of dmt and... <laughs> that's what i was actually gonna ask you do you think it's a lazy approach to just you know smoke some dmt to get there uh um i don't is, it's, i don't think it's, it's lazy yeah i don't it's think it's lazy fire. it's it is trial by fire it's fast it is definitely fast but you're also only going to the things that are going to stick for you in a DMT experience are still only going to be those things that you're ready to understand and accept. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not like all of a sudden you smoke DMT and you're you're the Buddha and you're enlightened and you know it's not like that. It, although yeah just know, go on the internet there's proof of that like these people that claim to ego dissolve right, and then you right. hear them fighting with people over the dumbest <laughs> shit it's like you know but oh, you didn't learn. but i think hashtag woke I'm <laughs> do you think though my thing about psychedelics and the, the most interesting thing about it is with all of these things whether it's lucid dreaming whether it's um 
you know, meditation, all these things take focus and practice and everything. And the interesting thing about psychedelics is you can just take this medicine, this plant, this uh, compound, whatever, and you're in it and you can't get out of it until it's done doing its thing. So it's almost like this living thing that's forcing you into the situation and you're there and you're walking around. See, that's the thing we're talking about waking life and waking, you know, asking yourself, am I awake and that kind of stuff. When you're doing psychedelics, you are awake, you are conscious, you know, you're not in, in this sleeping state or whatever. So you're able to walk around and ponder things. There's no confusion. You know, you go, Oh, I could have been dreaming this. You're fully awake and it's no joke, but not that the dreaming's a joke or anything. It's just easier to pawn off to, to, to that. You brought up a good point because I tell you, the thing about uh, my experiences with my lucid dreaming, my rational mind was able to always go back and snap itself back into place later and go, yeah, but I was asleep. I was dreaming. So what does that really mean? Or, But even in the case of psychedelics, oh, yeah, well, I was on a powerful psychedelic and so – you know, there's if you want to make up an excuse later, you know, that to me is that's the trick that you might be able to have these insane experiences with DMT. But your narrative that I keep coming back to, it's going to snap back into place. Eventually, your ego is going to come back and you may be able to set it aside temporarily and have this amazing experience. But then later, you know, depending on where your actual experience and skill level is. To me, that's where meditation comes in. That's the meditation is what really helps concrete those experiences where you can, it doesn't, you don't go back into the rationalization as much going, well, yeah, but did I really experience that? Mm -hmm. You know, what really happened? I mean, I'm, I've had a lot of weird experiences in my life now. And uh, uh, now I've had enough experiences where I, there are experiences that I, I can't, rationalize anymore it's like it's re- i've reached the end of my ability to rationalize i've i've now seen a couple of ufos we can talk about that it, it's kind of interesting it's but uh it's not really the my focus but uh and i've had plenty of you know the astral projection things and what like i said the things that started really breaking me were the things where i would i was able to prove to myself you know hey where Hey mom, where were you at six o'clock in the morning? Describe exactly what you were doing, and then she described to me yeah, precisely the the situation or what or what somebody was literally watching on television. Well, let me ask you, miles away. Do you think though? Do you think though that that's your mind, like you said, understanding who these people are, knowing their habits? You know, like have you thought right. about that aspect of it? That it might just be a projection of that you know their habits so well. That you know, and I'm not trying to be skeptical. I'm just asking. Oh, no. Yeah, you should be. Be skeptical. Well, don't how, ever. How apo- detailed have you got? That's the don't question. ever. Don't ever apologize for being skeptical. That is exactly where my head went. And all I can tell you is that, yes, that's the first. That's the first thing that I would say that my ego tried to do and say, aha. But I do know those people well, and maybe I've I've just pieced enough together from their habits and what they might be wearing and the things that they watch on television. And all I can say is that when you get down to the actual, all of the specific details of, Mm -hmm. hey, mom, I saw you drop that frying pan out of that cupboard. You know, know, when you get down to those kind of things, you know, after a while, 
you know, things like coincidence start to break down after a while. I mean, I think it's it's appropriate after a while to say, all right, those my rationalizations aren't making sense now. And, and I had to honor that. I had to honor that eventually and say, all right, I've got enough experiences now where I've I've seen firsthand of what's going on in other places. And, uh, you know, this isn't making sense. But beyond that, I've also had experiences that absolutely defied reality in general, uh, things that broke me at a level that that just absolutely didn't make sense. And, and those were the situations where I started experiencing what's called bilocation. Bilocation uh, is when you are actually in two places at once. So I've had astral projections where I've been in two places at the exact same time. Uh, and all I can tell you is that when that happens, uh, your rationalization just shuts down because there is no, there is no explanation for it. Uh, in fact, if I would say that even as I'm describing it to you, your rational mind on some level is possibly picturing a split screen sort of situation like, oh, so you saw one thing here and another thing over here, or you saw maybe an overlap of two different views of being in two places at the same time. Your mind, it's because your mind can't really negotiate that. That's not the way our brains are built. But for me, my personal experience is that, no, I've literally been in two fully realized places at the exact same time we're not talking a split screen we're not talking a dual vision or an overlap of like information we're talking somehow two completely realized realities of being in two places simultaneously and that it you know even even when i say it it sounds ludicrous it mm -hmm. makes no sense and so all i can tell you is that yeah i've got those experiences now where when i think about that stuff my uh my brain immediately just shuts off and goes okay there's things going on out there that that <laughs> i don't that i don't understand so <laughs> yeah that's crazy so you bring up the ufo thing um now, yeah. I personally, we've talked about UFOs many times, obviously, with all the recent buzz and the news and yeah, yeah. The, the different small factions that are pushing for different things. Um, now, there's more evidence than ever of nuts and bolts, physical UFOs, but yeah. my philosophy has always been, I think it's a consciousness-based phenomenon, meaning... You know, okay. like look at look at like a camera. If you took a picture of a UFO, that's probably why there's not that many pictures of UFOs. But the way that we take in photons into our optical nerve, it gets sent upside down into our brain. Our brain processes it. We might be, you know, based on our senses, pick up more um, of the spectrum of what's going on than, let's say, a camera or some sort of, you know, infrared nice. or whatever. But m my question is pertaining to the lucid dreaming aspect. I've never seen um a ufo in terms of a physical ufo like we've been camping many times i've been in the woods nighttime but you know yeah. uh yeah. walking around that kind of stuff never seen anything however lucid dreaming wise i've in meditation i've seen a few of them uh where okay. it's just like me laying in the desert on the ground and then there's a ufo hovering to my left like that kind of stuff and yes it could just be part of the lucid dreaming process. But my question to you is what do you think is going on with that? Do you think it is connected or do you think it's something that, um, is just your brain? You know, I was thinking about it that day or something along those lines. 
Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. I okay. don't know. But uh, I like I will tell you that I like what you're saying. I like that idea. And I do think that you're onto something. But I again, that's not really my area. My and what's also I'll tell you this, a psychic, whatever that means, a psychic told me that I was going to start seeing UFOs about five years before I had my first experience. Uh, but the experience I had was about now that was about eight years ago. And that was here uh, just outside of Boulder, Colorado. I was in my car and what I saw fly over my car, I know my physics and this physically made no sense what this object did. Now, again, now when I say it makes no sense, at, at least in terms of our classical understanding of Newtonian physics, all right? So if there is something, if if our government has got something that's uh, that's able to move outside of those parameters, first of all, to hell with them for not sharing that. That's my first attitude. Right. It, it angers me, honestly. If that if that's really the case, you know, some of these guys that like Rogan has had on who have apparently worked for Area 51, if that's honestly the case, I think that's what pisses me off the most. I, I just have to get that out of the way first mm. to say that if people are sitting on this kind of information that you've got, uh, you know, gravity propulsion engines, you know, F you is my attitude, you know, because that's... Yeah, we're the, wrecking the earth with these fumes. Uh, well, yeah, and it's just that the science that they are with withholding is right. is is uh, yeah that that's unacceptable. Well, that's, that's why scientists don't. Upsetting. I don't think that I think that's why these physicists and theoretical physicists and yeah, some of them entertain the idea of life out there somewhere. But I think yeah. that's why most of them don't believe that we've been visited before or are currently being visited is because these things defy their knowledge i'm not even going to say it defies what we you know physics or physical laws other than just the fact that it defies what we know about the technology that we have so it's it's almost an ego thing on their end of things though to to believe that what they know is the top of the game end all be all and if they don't know it nothing else exists beyond that which i think is kind of naive considering there have been a lot of weird things we you know um Operation Paperclip. We took a lot of, uh, yep. you know, of the uh, scientists from Germany after World War II. A lot of them yep. had had way more advanced knowledge of propulsion and, and rocket science than we currently had at the time. So, um, like I said, I think it's naive to think that um, there's not at least some advanced technology out there that is capable of more than they're putting onto. Now that being said, Absolutely. you know, with these things have been seen since you know you can you know we don't really buy into the ancient alien thing but you know these things have been seen in antiquity mm, and yeah and weird things at least so whether they were yeah. ufos or Those something paintings are pretty uh suspicious with the guys staring at the sky and pointing and stuff you know they are strange i don't know what to think crazy. of it either um yeah, i don't know but yeah in terms of uh what's going on there too it, it just bass i mean we find you know i find it fascinating and i constantly keep it up with what what's going on but there again you have the you know like the psychedelic community you have a bunch of people that have their ideas and theories and they'll fight about it and bicker about it it's just like let this thing play out do your best if you're interested do some research you know put your best foot forward and that's it yeah. if you want to have a healthy debate or a dialogue about it do it but I, i'm sick of seeing all these people online just fight about like the dumbest shit for no reason it's it's just like we could be so much further if there was just more of a 
open discussion and just, you know, I miss the days of people being able to agree to disagree or look at somebody else's point of view and maybe not agree with it, but respect where they're coming from kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, we, uh, there's not, there's not much humility. It seems like anymore. It's like, there's something about, uh, uh, that we've lost, we've lost that along the, along our dialogue, especially on the internet and on social media, you know? So for me, like when there's a topic that I don't, know about i'm i'm the first one to go i don't know and i wish more people would do that when you don't know about something just go i don't know right it's okay it's okay that's in fact that's where to me that's where real insight and real curiosity is born when you go i don't freaking know what's going on but i want to address something that you where we started with this conversation you you asked about the connection to consciousness right and and that and the reason that's interesting to me is because, well, another strange thing is that a lot of family, me- I've had a lot of family members now who have had UFO experiences. Uh, I had uncles uh, who saw uh, saw a uh, apparently a very well documented uh, UFO sighting outside of Chicago. This is back in like I think it was like the 70s. Yeah. I have to check with them, and but I mean this was in the papers and whatnot. But two of my uncles saw this. They were not just you know on acid or something and seeing stuff in the sky, which is what I think a lot of people think have happened. Uh, then I had a UFO experience, like I said, about eight years ago that, like I said, this object did, you know, uh, the way it moved is kind of similar to the video that they have now from that one pilot that that's, mm. that's getting a lot of press right yeah, now. Uh, that ha- the, right uh that what they call the tic tac or whatever uh, you know I, yeah. I don't know what this thing was i did not see the shape of it i saw lights for the most part the lights were nothing out of the ordinary but what this thing did in terms of movement this thing could propel itself from one part of the sky to the other on a dime and stop and then redirect itself at a right angle without you know, without any sort of blowback, you know, and that's not, that's not the way, you know, force equals mass times acceleration works. That's not the way our understanding of physics works. So that was one of those things that kind of blew my head. And I felt that the strange thing about it is that I almost felt that when this thing happened, when this experience happened, that it was somehow for me. I don't Mm. know what that means, but I almost felt that it was intended for me on some level and i almost felt that you know i i was not it happened so fast i was not able to pull my phone up or my camera and i have a feeling i wouldn't have really caught much if i did and so there is this weird thing that uh that that's connected to perhaps connected to consciousness somehow i don't know what what that feeling is but then my i tell this to my i tell this story to my father my dad is my dad is a uh his background is uh, mechanical engineering, and he is very much a, you know, part A fits into part B, you know, he's, right. uh, he's, mm-hmm. uh, and so he had an experience now, now that was about, I think, three years ago, and this was outside of his home, outside of Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, that's where, well. I, that's where I'm at, and actually there's been, yeah. I think there's a really famous sighting uh, right outside of O'Hare. I don't know how long ago, but I think it was maybe the 90s, but I don't know. I'd have to check. Early 2000s. Um, But, uh, yeah, it must be some sort of hotbed. And uh, there's a lot of weird paranormal stuff that happens in Chicago, too. You know, I don't know if, you know, I I don't 
buy into some of it but there's there's been like a recent uptake in the last five ten years of like mothman sightings outside of chicago yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of like channeled stuff that happens in chicago so like there's a lot of weird woo woo you know i know you're not into it but there's a lot of woo woo things that happen around chicago um and uh, they have a lot in new jersey too maybe it's the big cities or something right yeah i it, maybe it is i don't know but the, the thing about my father's experience is that it very much disturbed him. One, he also had that classical, he got burned on the side of his we're back. Um, so, Ian, you were talking about your dad's about father. Yeah, yes. your dad's burns and um, uh, his incident. So what, what he saw, I mean, the way he described it, he said what this thing did, uh, it was sounded like a very different object than what I saw, but... Uh, you know, it's just, it's so strange that first of all, I saw this, this strange thing that I never expect. I never, I never knew what to think about the UFO sightings until I, until you see something yourself that absolutely does not make sense. And then he saw this thing. And all I can say is that, yeah, both of our conclusions were somehow it's like it was meant for us and again i don't know what that means i i I couldn't tell you i wish i knew uh i wish i understood you know my father's sensation was that uh that somehow he was watching something that peered out from another universe like it sort of blipped in from another alternate reality and just sort of said hi Hmm. and then went and then went back you know and and that was my feeling of what I saw too. It was like this thing came in just to like mess with my head, and then said, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fly over your car and vanish now, and uh, and you're just gonna be left, you know, to deal with that, mm. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and what was funny is that I found myself very quickly in that same position that other other UFO people are in, where, you know, I'm now I now have this story where I'm telling people. And uh, they're looking at me, going, "Oh yeah, so what were you smoking? Like, what what was hmm. going on? Or, you know, and you're you're full of crap, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, now I'm the crazy one. That's how that works." So I have a <laughs> deeper, you know, I have a deeper appreciation now for people who have had not just UFO sightings, but I would say any experience where it just breaks your brain and you go, "You know, whatever it is that I saw does not fit into." the normal category of reality. And that is something that sticks with you. Those are the things that stick with you. You know, those are the things that you can't rationalize away. It's the things that you go, all right, uh, the world doesn't work the way I thought it did. And uh, that's a So that in and of itself is why I think my experience was important. I don't think I have any, uh, like, like, like I'm telling you, I don't have any other insight about UFOs, but that in and of itself, that, that that's what it did to me, that now I'm, uh, I've got that other thing, you know, in my, uh, you know, in my, in my book now, or another thing in my experience that just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. And too, you know, the other thing is the human brain and the human mind is very flawed when it comes to memories. I mean, it's been proven before. However, do you yeah. think that these experiences, like you said, they sit with you? Do you think that it's different in the sense that if you just saw like a light and it wasn't that profound in the sky, you're like, oh, that's weird, that you might say, oh, yeah, I've seen a UFO. But the experience that you had is so profound that you are more 
likely to remember the details or remember it accurately as a poke since it, it did have an effect on you like let's say a crazy dream how that might stay with you and most dreams just vanish once you wake up that kind of a thing right yeah that yeah there is and you know there is something about uh astral projection and lucid dreams they're they're still not sure why your memory seems to categorize it the way it does uh you remember people seem to have a much better recall of their lucid dreams even if it's 20 years ago or something like that and that's certainly the case for me i can remember exact details from my lucid dreams that have happened years and years ago as opposed to perhaps the dreams i just had last night that i only right now barely have any you know <laughs> recognition mm -hmm. of, of what exactly happened but uh yeah so how does it it is it is a different experience as far as yeah, when you just like, oh, well, maybe I just saw lights in the sky or something. I can tell you that when this happened, first of all, uh, in this vicinity of this area that I that I saw this object at, there is a small airport. All right. And I also and also DIA, uh, Denver International, was in the other direction. So seeing lights in and of itself, it, in and of itself was not an uncommon thing. I mean, that uh, that's that's not what stood out for me. Like, Oh, how strange I'm seeing moving lights in the sky. It's like, you know, I've got two airports in this area. That is, that's not, you know, so this thing, it wasn't until this thing made itself known that it was doing something very different, uh, that I really started paying attention. And, uh, I can remember that experience as clear as if it happened last night. I mean, it's, it is like concreted in my memory is all I can say. And I can tell you that when this thing was doing these maneuvers, I could feel my brain kind of flipping through, you know, its card catalog or its reference going, what does this? What what does this? Nothing does this. Mm -hmm. And I kept on coming up with nothing. And that in and of itself was driving me a little bit mad. I'm like, wait, this thing just spun on a dime and it shot to the other side. And then it, you know, and it just kept on doing these things that made no sense. And I'm sitting there going, what object does this? Nothing can, you know, and I, and that's, you know, that to me is what is, uh, is the, the gift, I guess, that I was left with from that ex particular experience. But what it all means, man, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I, uh, what's with all I, the weird symbolism at the, uh, DIA, the Denver airport, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of like, yeah, know, there's a lot of weird yeah. people that get crazy with it, but there is weird things there that aren't at other airports. What do you think's going on with that? Oh man, I, you know, you're getting into conspiracy stuff now. And again, I'm going to tell you that I don't know, but I know that that horse, man, that horse has killed like two or three people. <laughs> That's yeah. Didn't it kill the guy that, that sculpted it? It, killed, or? The guy, it killed the guy who sculpted it. And I think it killed somebody else. Again, I don't, I, I'd have to look it up. I don't, I don't remember what happened, but That's... have you ever, have you seen the horse? Have you seen that thing? I've it's seen, horrible. I've seen I, pictures I, I, of it. I've, there, yeah. Like, uh, a ago. Yeah. Maurice oh, has God. been there. It's, it's, uh, it's just hideous. I mean, it's just like, and anatomically correct. I mean, the whole thing, glowing red eyes, it's crazy. But then I, I, I know you're also talking about all the ideas of what is possibly, you know, the strange paintings and the things that well, there's just so like a lot of like, uh, like symbolism there that like, it's just, oh. what's the point of that being? Like I've been in many airports. I've never seen anything weird like that. So why there, you know, and there's, def I, there's different weird theories. And like, we're not, 
you know we don't do that kind of stuff on the show either we yeah, yeah. we try and keep it science based and somewhat sure, you know sure. even if it's a fringe topic we try and look at the the validity to those things but yeah it's just we one of to. it is a weird thing though that if you've anybody that's looked into it just take a look at it and, and see what you think about it but it's um lots of weird symbolism there for sure um but uh you know that goes back to even ancient times there's a lot of temples and, and stuff that has symbolism that uh doesn't really make sense but um when you talk about um lucid dreaming in terms of you know what are some tips that you might have for people um, oh, yeah. th- that want to get into it that um, maybe they're familiar with it and they want to try it but they're, they've they never been able to do it or maybe they're able to do it once in a while but they don't know how to get there like what would your advice be my advice comes down to the to first and foremost the most simplistic it sounds well I should say it sounds like the most simplistic task ever but if you can do this task then uh then you're ready to move on. You should contact me. You should go to my website and dig me up. If you're able to do this, this is the thing. If whenever you even suspect that you are in a dream state for any reason, so whatever, this you can do this during the day. That's what some people do. They call them reality checks. But whenever you even have a, the slightest suspicion that something is off, Take your dominant hand, for me it's my right hand, and you put it up in front of your face and you stare at it. That's it. And I'm saying hold your attention to your hand. That's that's all you have to do. I mean, I can't make it any simpler than that. If you are in a dream state, there is a strange universal quality to lucid dreams that when you stare at anything for a long period of time, actually it only takes a few moments in my case, when you stare at any object, it will shapeshift. Hmm. I have theories on why this is, but this seems to be a universal quality. Uh, but uh, And the reason I say use your hand is because our hands are our primary instruments that we use to manipulate the world. They are always there in some form in your dreams. So find your hand, stare at it simply just stare at it and what will happen is that if you were in a dream state it will shift you will it will turn invisible it will change colors i've had my fingers turn into twisty straws i've had hmm. more fingers than i'm supposed to have and then what happens is that you you know your hands intimately it like i said it, it is a very we have an intimate relationship with with you know, with our hands, with the way we communicate and and uh, deal with the world. So when we see them shift, it sends a very deep message to our to the rest of our conscious selves that I am now in a altered state of reality. And then there's techniques to move on past that. But I, I don't even like to talk about what to do past that because that what I've just said, what I've just suggested might take you months or years to accomplish. For me, I was I was lucky. Like I said, I was able to, as soon as I read about this technique, and again, this is not my idea. This is out of a series of books from Carlos Castaneda, uh, of books on shamanism that were written back in the 1970s. I did not invent this technique, but it's such a beautifully simplistic technique. You think you're dreaming, put your hand in front of your face and stare at it. That's all you got to do. If you can get to that point, you then you're ready 
to move on to something else. But that what will what will happen? Like I said, that shape shifting uh, of your hand, it's going to affect you. Mm. And it that's that experience is undeniable because then, you know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. All right. Now I'm dreaming now. Now it's playtime. Now you can start moving on from there. And uh, so that's what I recommend to everyone. If you can get to that point, just bring your hand up in front of your face and stare at it. That's it. And uh, like I said, if you can get to that point, contact me. You know, let's go from there. Let's let's move on from there because then you're ready for some more information, perhaps. But uh, that's what you should. That's what. That's the first step, I would say. What about so. these regimens? Like uh, Maurice was mentioning, we had our buddy uh, Chris Emerson on, who study. You know, he's a musician, but he studies Vedanta and you know does yo- yeah. yoga and all that stuff. He uh, was on some regimen where he wakes up like every three hours and asks himself if he's wow. awake, and then wow. goes back into it. Um, do you think that? Uh, have you heard of that? Because I've actually heard of it from sure. other places too. A lot of like Eastern. Sure philosophy and uh techniques and stuff like that what do you think about that stuff i think they're fantastic i think that if the the trick about any of them is that you have to stick with it now again like i said i was lucky these things came to me spontaneously i did not have to pick up techniques in fact when i did try to use techniques to instigate lucid dreams i was generally failing with them for some reason that's my experience but I have talked to now, I've communicated with so many hundreds of people on this topic. Uh, I would absolutely support that idea 100%. But I would say, first and foremost, this is not like, I have so many people come to us on some of these lucid dreaming boards that I'm connected to on Facebook and whatnot, where they think this is like, oh, you know, I want to pick up skiing. I want to try that. It, it's not as simple as that. You, you, It's not just like a, a thing that you're going to try. This is something that you really have to kind of be deeply dedicated to. This is something you'll, you have to want heart and soul. I mean, it's like you really have to want this thing. I've had, I mean, I've even had people come to me and say, well, you know, I really want to try this astral projection because I want to spy on my boyfriend to see what he's doing, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, if that's if that's the full extent of your intention of, of getting involved in this, I think that you're going to be unsuccessful, is my guess. Well, you let know, me ask you this, of- though, because for me, it was completely different. Um, okay. I, like I said, I started to meditate. I'm on this path of what I would say is a search for truth or enlightenment or some yeah. semblance of that um, nice. from reading and research and doing this podcast and talking to different people. But I have been doing lucid dreaming before that and just didn't know. So it, like I said, it's this thing where I'll start dreaming apparently in the middle of the night and I'll wake up and have to go to the bathroom. And then there I know, okay, I'm awake. Okay. Nice. So nice. then I, jump back into bed and go to bed for another couple hours or whatever. And when I do that, I can either jump back into the dream I was just having or I start a new dream Uh, or it's like a spinoff dream of the dream before. And like I said, it's always my mind, my consciousness. It's me, but it's in this altered state, if you will. I didn't, I didn't push for it to happen. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to keep doing this or figure this out. So um, I guess my question is, um, do you think it's possible, like you said, I know you're saying that it, it takes practice and focus and all yeah. that stuff, but do you think that people that already meditate or people that are on these paths or understanding or are familiar with these topics might already be doing these things and just not aware of them? 
they they may be touching on lucid dreaming uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, the, lucid dreaming is in many ways a spectrum until you get to the kind of point where I'm talking about where you are fully conscious and staring at something and going, I'm going to, I'm going to stare at my hand until this, until something happens and, and it shape shifts. All I can tell you is that once something like that happens, uh, then it takes on a whole new dynamic. It ta- you, you're, you're brought onto a brand new level, but there's also lower levels of lucid dreaming where, you know, I've had a lot of dreams and, and it sounds like maybe you have had too, where, you know, you have this idea that it's a suspicion. Like, I think none of this is real. And I think that I really have control over this situation, right? Yeah. But we could call that a low level of lucid dreaming, but I would say it's not, you're not truly fully conscious until you have dropped the storyline completely. And what I mean by that is that there's, I've had low level lucid dreams where I'm telling myself, oh yeah, I kind of have some degree of fluidity. I'm kind of conscious, but darn it, that, that giant alien is still chasing me and I still have to run from it. Yes. See, I I don't have that. I I know what you're saying, but I don't have that specifically. What I'll try and explain it as clear as I can. What's going on when I lucid dream. I, when I'm in the dream, I'm playing out things that maybe my subconscious picked up that day, that thing, something that happened to me. Uh, But in the dream, I know that I'm dreaming, but I'm still participating in the dream, if that makes sense. And that's exactly what I'm saying. You're still participating. But but it's 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 willfully. I I could wake up and say, "Am I awake?" I could do that, but for some reason, I want to stay in there to play that scenario out. If that makes sense. Okay, so perhaps you, you, you. That sounds like you are right there. Is what it sounds like. It sounds like my suggestion to you is if 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 you really are. I mean, consciousness is a weird thing. It 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 suggests levels of freedom that aren't always there. So I can't tell you exactly. You're not going to know for yourself until you lift your hand in front of your face okay. in one of these in one of these dreams. That's all I can suggest. Bring your hand up in front of your face and stare at it. Okay. And and do that. And if you can do that, you tell me what happens. Uh, and I that that's that to me. I think that's going to bring thing. It's going to kick it up a notch. Okay. So to speak. That's that's my suggestion. But it sounds like you've got all the right ingredients. It sounds like you've got you're you're able to enter these these realms with a high degree of consciousness. And yeah, that, I mean, you're on the right path. You're absolutely there. But uh, you know, then let's let's get it there 100. Is all I'm saying. Let's let's 100 be fully make sure that you can disengage a hundred percent from that scenario that I, I know you're telling me like, yeah, well, I kind of want to play this, right. play this out. I, all I'm saying is do a test, make sure that you a hundred percent are conscious and aware and that you have your individuality and your, 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 you are a liberated consciousness in that realm. Stare at your hand. Yeah. is best thing i can tell you yeah i'll i'll try that out for sure and actually there's other times too where it's like um you know that it's a dream and then you wake up and you're like i'm glad that that was a dream because that was some some messed up shit um right but uh maurice was talking about what about like did you ever look into like rudolf steiner's like philosophy or his research on the you know dreams and interpretations and different things does 
not sound familiar. No, okay. no, I'm not, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, He's so, uh, but, like a theosophist, um, turn of the century kind of a guy. Um, you know, he started off as a physical scientist in, I think, Austria, um, and okay. then kind of got away from the area when, you know, the wars and everything was happening. But uh, he started, I don't know if you are familiar with the Waldorf schools. Um, he Yes. Yeah. Th- that's yeah, all. Yeah. That's I've all predicated that. on his philosophy and his work and his ideas and stuff like that. But um, huh, okay. Yes, yeah, so you should check him out because he Pretty he has. You'll like it. Yeah, he has right. w- weird theories on dreams and uh, altered states of consciousness, and he was big on like epistemology and ontology and that kind of stuff. So. Um, Sounds like that's right up my alley. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, super fascinating. Is there uh, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up here? Uh, go buy my book yeah <laughs> uh, that's oh, all yeah. i can tell you no, so it, we have the yeah. link below so anybody that's interested you can go on to uh, the uh, nice. amazon and uh order it but uh you also have a website too what's your website it's my name ianjada.com simple as that and you know i'm an artist i'm a cartoonist and uh so i kind of I kind of created. It's called Iboga Moon Productions. Oh uh, wow! It's my it's my production company that uh, I just housed all of my projects under one roof. And so when you go to enjaded.com, you can find my artwork. You can find the books I'm working on. You can find uh, my cartooning. What a, you know, you can that kind of links you to. And I have a, a calendar of events on there explaining you know who I'm, you know where I'm doing book signings or where I'm doing interviews next. Yada yada yada. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the main hub but uh yeah tripping the field is available worldwide you can find it on uh barnes and noble amazon wherever you can find it directly through my publisher glad i press we always we always appreciate that to, i think uh, bezos has enough money uh <laughs> in my in my opinion i think the guy's doing okay so i you know let's not give him any yeah. more money uh you know go, apparently go, he's got to recuperate after that divorce he lost uh, a, a a good I, chunk of it <laughs> I, I don't care <laughs> i'm just i'm just joking i yeah no. what's half of fine. everything even if even if he, even if he exactly. had uh right. 10 mil we would still be saying the same thing right, right. so well, guys thank you so much this has been a great conversation that's uh being curious is man i love to talk to curious people and that is that to me if you're curious oh. man that's all you need man that's yeah thanks gonna, we'll, gonna get you, we'll get you back on because uh sounds like you got a a well of knowledge. We got to tap into some more. I, I mean, I'm sure we could elaborate on some of these stories and make those full episodes themselves. So I would love to talk more. Sure. Yeah. Whatever, guys. Yeah. I'll shout out to uh, Tail Eaters too on uh, the group yeah, on uh, fa- Facebook. That's uh, run by our buddy Lee Adams, who we've had on the show many times. And uh, talk to him every once in a while, yeah. Lee yeah. and I just kind of just kind of got connected just about a month month a couple of months ago or so i started kind of looking into what what he's doing so yeah i'm on i'm i'm a member of tail leaders and uh yeah a few other sites out there so you can i'm not hard to find you can find me anywhere yeah for sure well thanks for coming on man and uh we'll add the link to your website below we've got your book and uh, people check that out also check out the links to all of our stuff i'm not going to go over it It takes too long so uh (laughs) peace everybody take care bye-bye